Hello and welcome to the 10.0.18 episode of Dynamics Update. As usually, it's me, Johan Persson, and uh, my colleague Gustav Sundblad. Welcome, Gustav. Thank you, Johan. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hi. So this week, it's uh, time to discuss uh, 10.0.18 and what might have happened in that release. Yeah, exactly. So I think we get to it and uh, start with our top five things. You can start this time. Thank you. Um, so, I mean, without any specific ordering here um, between versions, I, I, there might be some of these that are actually available in 10.17 as well. But um, I'll start with the, with the first small one, which I just noted. Um, it's uh, related to finance. It's related to vendor collaboration. It's bank changes, really. And uh, vendor collaboration portals that have been around for a while. Um, not sure how much they are used, but I really like kind of the the uh, the sentiment of, of pushing like this master data updates towards vendors so they can actually do their own like self-service updates uh, specifically for, for customers or companies that have a lot of vendor um, vendor collaboration really uh, this is a little feature uh, but it's it goes a long way because it allows vendors uh, apart from the, the usual stuff that you have in collaboration where you can um, like uh, approve purchase orders all that stuff this allows vendors to, to manage their own payment information, uh, bank account information, which makes sense because that's always like tedious. We, we change bank accounts. We have these um, all different banks uh, throughout different countries. Specifically, when you go global, it's really a, a hassle to maintain all the different bank account uh, information. So this is a minor well, addition, but I think it will be very, very useful for a lot of uh, customers out there. So what it is basically just it's an addition to the collaboration portal. I guess it requires a setting on vendors as well where you allow them to use this feature or not. Uh, but it's basically for them to just set up payment information with approval um, like workflow. So it's a small change, but I think it'll uh, take some leverage or some some um, uh, pressure off the accounts payable department, I hope at least. Yes, so uh, my first is sort of a technical view on the same thing. It has to do with authentication in, in dynamics in finance and operations. And uh, this is a tiny change, uh, at, at least from a user perspective. Uh, normally, I don't think anyone will ever notice that this has changed. But what, what have been done is that uh, uh, Microsoft had upgraded the uh, um, authentication, authentication protocol from VSFED to Owen Open ID Connect. So what does that mean? So that basically just means that that they have changed to a newer standard and a newer authentication protocol, which is more widely used. Yeah. So if you understand it, you know what it means. And for all the rest of us, uh, it's it's um, well improved way of of staying up up to date with standards. Or Yes, exactly, and and it's also uh, it's it's a better security protocol for for the authentication. Yeah, uh, which which I think is always a welcome addition, since since uh, in these days there are a lot of of uh, shady uh, players <laughs> on the market which try to hijack our our logins. Which all exactly, but do you know does it mean any any kind of changes or I mean from um. Deployment perspective, or is it just? I mean, it's there. It's in line. It's just the authentication protocol for for everyone using it. There, there no changes required in like client server authentication stuff like that. 
Yeah, I, I, I might be speaking a bit out of my comfort zone here, but, but <laughs> if I understand this correctly, uh, I mean, the, the authentication is, is uh, we're using is, is from Azure AD, of course. And and uh, Azure, as I understand it, Azure ID has has support for both of these protocols, so so that's why I'm saying that normally I don't think that from the user perspective anything will change. No, but it's using a more modern authentication protocol from Azure ID and and a more more standardized one because I know that the VS Fed one I think is is Microsoft specific, mm-hmm. while the Open ID is an open standard. Okay. Let's continue with your next one. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, continuing on the technical notes, I noticed that um, we have now, or will have at least, um, uh, well, it's a change in the deployment packaging of, of specific. This is a commerce thing. It's for uh, deployment packaging for commerce components. I mean, Ampool, CBOS, Orchestration, uh, Cloud Scale Unit Extensions, etc. Um, so previously, or well, now, um, the, the deployment of the packages has been kind of a, it's not super simple, to be honest. Uh, you have to deploy everything in one single package. It's one app X package, basically. Uh, the new independent deployment well, solution, basically, it's, to put it simply, uh, it's following the um, uh, the same principle as we had for, for AX a long while now, where standard is packaged in separate package and all the extensions are, are packaged separately. So you have one AppX package, which is kind of the core standard uh, setup, and then you have uh, independent packages for uh, extensions, basically, mempools and, and uh, etc. So the add-ins, basically. They will run under the context of the core mempools identity, uh, but you will have one core package and one extension package uh, to support like independent installation and servicing, which is quite nice. So the extension package will not be able to run by itself. Um, it'll be loaded by the core AppX package. And um, not sure yet. I need to try this out for a little while. But uh, um, what it said, what what it means, you need to migrate it to a new extension template, and it might require this is quite kind of a quote. <laughs> it might require some code refactoring. Um, to support new UI controls and framework. And that single sentence, which is uh, on docs, I don't know how much that means, to be honest, at this point. So that's something I, I need to look into, we need to look into, but it's it makes sense to bring it up because it might require some code refactoring to support new controls. Uh, it kind of means that you have to look into it because in one way or another, this most likely this deployment... Um, uh, framework will be the way to go moving on, and it makes sense because it will make it easier for us, especially for our friends running usually different friends running infra <laughs> and rollout, etc. So, uh, it's quite nice that it's redesigned to create installers that contain only the extension components, etc., so you can run only extension upgrades uh, without touching core, uh, which uh, I think it's a very nice feature, but. We'll have to try it out. It's generally available now in April. So um, I think it was available in the last version as well. So we'll get back to this one once we try it out a little bit more. Yes. And and my next one is, is actually very... Uh, I think it's basically the same thing as you just said, but for the developers. So when they did the change to how the packages are built, they have also changed the way the commerce SDK is handled. Previously, the commercial SDKs has been published to uh, the uh, lifecycle services, LCS. 
and every single uh, update you had to download it you had to commit it into your source code repository in order for you to build uh, things that that talk to the commerce framework mm. because you need uh, the SDK for that the way that other developers are doing these things is by using something called a NuGet package or using a, a GitHub repository to automatically from Visual Studio pull these packages into the source code every single time they compile it. Which means that that uh, this is the way it's going to be for Dynamics now as well. So these packages will be published to NuGet and to GitHub, which means that when you are building customizations on top of the commerce SDK, you don't have to do this manually anymore, but you can actually push push it into the build build uh, pipeline. So kind of bringing dynamics into into the fold where everyone else has been for a couple of years. Yes, right? it's good to be modern. I mean, we are we are we are after all using uh, Visual Studio twenty seventeen. So we are we are almost there. <laughs> We're super modern. No, but I I, I follow a lot of these um, the, the product team on, on Twitter, of course, and I know they're doing a lot of improvements to kind of uh, be in line with the rest. But it, it's still, it's a different application. So I understand it's not a simple web application. It's a lot more complex than that. So it makes sense to, to kind of not have the exact same features as you might have for a single isolated web application uh, running purely on like C-sharp. But, but um, <laughs> the dependency part, yeah, it's been a, it's been a struggle. So it's nice to see that... Um, improvements are coming yeah and I, and I think also this is this is part of the the like infrastructure backlog that they have things that that were supposed to be there in the beginning but that were not but in order to get things to even start working they would have to do it in a in a more manual and simpler way to get it up and running and this is this is basically a way to do it again and do it right this time <laughs> exactly yeah, and it makes perfect sense, and it's very nice. Uh, to, it will make things easier for a lot of people, I think, um, running deployments. Yes. All right. So your next one. Yeah, uh, and this is kind of a um, I was going to say blast from the past. It's not that old, uh, but we have been discussing it for quite some time, and we it's been up and about for a couple of months, I think. Um, it's the warehouse um, supply chain management cloud scale unit which is exactly the same thing as a commerce scale unit it's, it's a scale unit which is a separate application it's built for scalability as the name implies um, but it's it's basically a set of operations that you can execute it's a separate application um, you deploy it in cloud but you can deploy it in different geographic regions uh, if needed of course uh, and the purpose of the supply chain management scale unit is of course to handle offload warehouse execution um it's uh, it's very new and uh, there are i mean there are diff a lot of different features that you can use you can like register purchase orders you can do put away um you can create execute inventory movements using the warehouse app so specifically for warehouse operations i, I think the, the whole kind of warehouse app i think the best uh well closest like example i can give you is the old warehouse mobile device portal which was also a separate application but it spoke directly to an aos this one is like purely isolated and the scale scalable which you can um, deploy so to be continued when it comes to like feature testing and, and real like performance testing when it comes to this but it makes a lot of sense as well 
uh, scale units, as we know, are very nice uh, little like units you can use to to scale your application and to offload the production workload uh, from uh, like the Dynamics Cloud production instance. But what it also contains is a nice little feature we also discussed previously, which is the Inventory Visibility app, um, which you can deploy. And Inventory Visibility is just it's, it's an API which gives you uh, exactly what it says, inventory visibility. You can, you can push questions related to on hand um, and you will get near real time. Uh, you can hear my like air quotes here, near <laughs> real time, because it's, it is what it is. It's, it's not real time. It's not going towards in and some in, in your production instance. It's what it does, because I've been fortunate enough to, to uh, get in touch with the product team here. and They've been very helpful and giving me more detailed instructions or information on how this actually works so uh last couple of weeks i've been trying it out and, and like getting some more um, detailed information and what it really is it's it's a separate database it's stored in dataverse and uh, what you do is you set up a service in dynamics uh to initiate or instantiate the visibility app which kind of gives you a snapshot of it some at that time and then you set up a, a job basically posts all inventory operations towards that application mm-hmm. with the frequency of your choice. So hence the near real-time. It's not real-time, but it's as close as you can get while still maintaining scalability. So um, what I think is quite nice and what I haven't seen before is that in the like material and, and the, and the um, documentation or, or uh, like the explanation of how, how this app might work, Microsoft mentions third-party pool systems as one applicable option. Uh, and I've never seen that before because it's always been mPools and cPools. And of course, that is the like, natural choice and I, because it's so integrated into dynamics. But, uh, but it's nice to see that, that, that they like, acknowledge that <laughs> there are a lot of clients out there who run dynamics but they don't run mPools and cPools. They run different pools. And they, there are like a lot of different integration options here but this one is quite nice because it gives you a um, nice scalable uh, i i really abhor the word plug and play because it's never plug and play <laughs> but it's that's how it's designed at least so um i well i encourage you to to try it out um, those who want to do it the product team are very helpful so even though it's not fully like available yet um, there is a lot of documentation online and just drop an email to the product team and they will they will be happy to assist, I hope, but uh, to be continued as well with um, how this feature works. But be aware, it is not a real-time API towards Inventsum. It is a separate application. Data is stored separately, and data is posted towards the, the scale unit with a batch job. So. Yes, uh, just, a, just a control question. Is, is this using the same mechanisms as dual write, or is this something else? Yeah, uh, no, it's not the same mechanism as dual write. All right. As as far as I know, at least it's not uh, it's not one. It's a separate a separate service, really. Uh, so it's not it's not utilizing the same thing as dual write, as far as I know. So no. Uh, all right. So my next one is uh, it's a, it's a tiny one, but it it sort of indicates a, a difference in in uh, philosophy, I, I would say, because when I started using uh, dynamics and especially on the retail tail side, a lot of things were like very bare bones, uh, everything you wanted to make in order to make it easier for the customers you had to make on your own. 
but I think that one thing that that Microsoft is starting to do in Dynamics is trying to find uh, like the the minimum viable product that that everyone wants to use instead of the one that that is the minimum for them for them to deliver. So one thing that that is coming in in um, uh, 10.0.18 is the ability to include either QR codes or barcodes within transactional or receipt emails. So you could, for instance, include a barcode directly to your order uh, in order to, to scan it and get directly into the e-commerce system and your specific order mm. to get back to it uh, dire- directly, which is something that you would, would have had to make manually before, which is a bit tricky. You need to write an integration and you need to have like a system to generate these codes, but now it's it's actually built in, which is really good, I think, uh, because it, it makes it a, a little less, a little more like out of the box ready, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. All right, very nice. Um, I have two topics left. One, I mean, they're both quite small. Uh, I'll start with the my, my favorite one, which is the retry flag for batch jobs. <laughs> the, it's a little small notice, but it's quite, I think it's quite a big change, to be honest. It's, a, it's an automatic retry setting. And I mean, everyone who's worked with AX or Dynamics for a while knows about batch jobs, batch table, uh, batch contention, um, deploys, crashes from AOSs, uh, what happened, where were we in the batch job, etc. If you don't run like pure multi-threading, it's hard to restart, etc. So um, what it is, it's basically a retriable flag that has been introduced. It's um, a flag on every Microsoft batch job. I'm not sure what what that means, to be honest. Uh, I need to, to try that out because it says specifically every Microsoft batch job. Uh, so there is an exp- like an extensible property on the batch framework. So I think you can implement it on your own batch jobs, but it's not like out of the box whenever you activate the feature that it's just going to retry. So be uh, keep it in mind that if you have batch jobs that are like up for retrying, might be like batch jobs running every minute because you do do something every minute. Bam, bam, bam. Maybe you don't need to have a retry flag. You just need to have a retry flag if the job is prone to like stop in like executing state or something like that. But if you have a retry flag, or if you have a long running batch job like posting invoices or and stuff like that, it might be worth looking into the retryable flag specifically for just understanding if there's a new flag coming from the batch form and you're able to set it on the batch jobs, you need to understand does it actually do anything unless you extended that property for your own batch job. Otherwise, it might just be confusing. So look into it and make sure you can use it if you need to. But it's a, I think it's a nice feature. And the question is just how, I mean, at what point does the retry uh, like operation trigger? Uh, does it trigger upon connectivity failure or upon like failure of the batch job itself? So something to look into and uh, hopefully clarify in future podcasts. Uh, yes. So uh, my final one is uh, sort of along the same, same lines as, as uh, the first one I was having. Um, this has to, do, has to do with the build pipelines. And uh, we have discussed uh, hosted builds before. So the that's the option to, instead of having a build machine with an agent, which runs the, the build and the package creation, 
you can actually use Azure DevOps for that. You can use a, a, like a virtual instance of a build pipeline in Azure DevOps, which uh, spins up like a microservice to build the code and then return a package. So instead of hosting your own and maintaining your own virtual machine, which requires patching and stuff, you can use that one instead. Uh, well, there is a change that is coming in 10.0.18, which will require you to perform some maintenance on your hosted pipelines. And the reason, as I understand it, is that the actual packages that is being used for building the uh, your package, so the NuGet packages which re require are required to create the customization package, uh, the packages that include the Dynamics code, has actually grown so that they are actually larger than what the build pipeline can accommodate, right. which is a problem per package. So, so uh, what what you need to do is that you need to rework your build pipeline in order to download multiple packages instead of just one package. So that's basically the difference. I will I will add information to the to the show notes uh, where you can find instructions on how to do this. But this is a fairly important one since you want your pipeline to work. <laughs> yes, of course, <laughs> makes sense. Um, all right, my final one is not as critical, but I think it's uh, worth mentioning at least. And it's uh, another small change, but it's to the Excel uh, add-in framework. Um, it's uh, global, I, and I think per template as well. I think you 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 work more with the um, publishing part of the Excel add-in. I mean, my part, I usually just like download information uh, via Excel, and that's used very heavily. I haven't had that much experience with the Excel add-in for 365, uh, except for like publishing smaller journals and fixing like issues. Uh, that's where it really comes in handy <laughs> for me. Um, but what it is, it's just a um, uh, setting up the publish batch size. So because for me, like the Excel add-in has always been like a danger moment. Um, what happens when like 20 people from accounts payable at the same time try to publish something using like large journals publishing uh, via Excel add-in? Does that crash the system or does it imply like major performance issues? But what it is, it's just a, it's a template uh, configurable setting of, of batch size uh, that you can control. So you're able to kind of limit these potential performance issues that you might have. But to be fair, I haven't actually heard of any performance issues with the Excel added yet. But maybe you have. I'm not sure if you worked more with it on. on uh, from like real experience. <laughs> no, I I haven't actually heard about the performance issues, but but uh, I mean after all, it is is it is an OData query, and yeah. I know that that Microsoft historically has been a bit careful in in recommending OData, especially when it comes to large transactions. Yes, exactly. So I mean, apart from the the regular OData connectivity settings that you can that you can. That you have, but that you can also increase, like the number of simultaneous calls, etc. I think this is a specific parameter used for the Excel added. So, not sure if that counts for your regular like OData limits, or if it's a specific one for Excel. That's something to ask Microsoft, I think. But it's a nice feature; it's controllable. And then, if you are having these issues, uh, you need to inform your users that you now have a batch limit if you want to set it, <laughs> because they will most likely get an error message if they try to try to go above it. Yes. Yeah, so I think we're done for today, actually. 
it's been a, a little shorter than before, but uh, we will be back on 10.0.19 again. Exactly. Thank you very much, Elon. Yeah. Thank you. Very Thank much you. For Thank bye you. Bye bye. Bye bye.